Welcome to the Kitchen, Bathroom and Cabinet Design Podcast with your host Hendrik in association with CAD International and the Kitchen and Bathroom Designers Institute. This is the first and only design podcast on kitchen and bathroom design in Australia and we'll be working to bring you some amazing content to teach you the tips, tricks and tools of the design industry. We're going to be sitting down and hearing from industry experts who will share some really unique advice and perspectives on how to make a bigger impact with your design business and with your designs. Whether you're an interior designer, a cabinet maker, building designer, architect or student, we believe that you're really going to enjoy these episodes. So sit back, relax and enjoy the show. This is Hendrik and welcome to another great podcast episode. Um, in this episode, I interviewed Elton Rupp from Walkeye Design. Um, and actually the introduction for this episode, this is probably my ninth or tenth time <laughs> recording it. So I'm hoping tenth time lucky, right? Anyways, so I interviewed Elton Rupp. Um, he works for Walkeye. It's his own business. Um, and they specialize in walk-in wardrobes, cabinets, kitchens, interiors, um, and those sorts of things. So in this episode, I actually learned that Elton lost his job as a pilot during the global financial crisis and rediscovered his passion for design. So I thought that was pretty interesting that, you know, his background was completely different from from what he's doing now. So let's have a bit of a listen. He has some really interesting tips in this interview. So I'm here uh, with Elton from Walkeye Design. Yes. Uh, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Um, so could you tell us a little bit about what you guys do? Um, Walkeye Design is really a sort of in-house design um, company that really sort of specializes in really everything in the home. So whether yep. it's, you know, kitchens and wardrobes, um, you know, bookcases, entertainment units, we really sort of specialize in the entire sort of setup of the, of the home. Mm. So not just the sort of the kitchens and the bathrooms. Yeah. Mm. And, um, like you just told me your manufacturer stuff. Um, so I can see in the work, uh, in the space here when you walk in. There's like a whole bunch of display uh, cabinets and there's a display kitchen on my left here. Um, and there's some uh, benchtop examples over there. Um, so where do you guys import all your materials from? Probably most of, probably at the moment we're probably 60-40. We're probably 60% local, so okay. local suppliers. Um, and of course a lot of that is Overseas, originally based, but we sort of get it locally. Um, and then we have a lot of, I guess you sort of say, um, specialty suppliers from Europe, mainly Italy, yep. that we get a lot of sort of, sort of smaller specialty items that are really hard to get into Australia. So trying to get that new modern sort of different look or material or finish yeah. that's sort of, you know, that we don't get here. And Australia's always been one of those things where we've always been a couple of years behind with designs. And materials, so we're sort of trying to jump ahead and sort of grab those sort of those mm. new inventions, so and ideas. And um, so all the specialty stuff, like special finishes and 
uh, putting all the cabinets together? Do you guys use multiple different uh, outsourcing companies for that? or? Um, no, we mainly have sort of for local stuff, we've got two companies that look after us for all our stuff in Australia. Okay. And then we've got our own team that do the assembly and installs, you know, the stuff in-house at, at clients' homes. Mm. So, And then, of course, the European stuff is sort of manufactured and all supplied you know, locked down, packaged up and brought over, ready to to put in and of course our guys do that as well. Mm. So So what would you say makes you guys unique? Because when I checked out on the website, like I saw all these uh really luxurious uh cabinets and walk in wardrobes, um and re- some really fantastic kitchens. So what would you say makes you guys unique? Um, we're probably just a little bit, I guess we've been lucky enough that we've traveled and we've seen so many different things from around the world. Yeah. And I guess this started a little bit with technology nowadays. In the old days, you know, people came to us with magazines or, you know, cutouts. Mm. Um, but nowadays with a, you know, Pinterest and house and all those sort of things, people are coming in with photographs and going, you know, with a tablet and saying, can I have that? <laughs> you know, and of course, a lot of it is, not available, or it's very hard yeah. to sort of source, or things like that. So we sort of got to the stage, we thought, well, why not? Let's have a look. And mm. and I guess also to Australia has always been one of those things, we've always been so far away that we've always been sort of the last or a little bit forgotten about. So we've sort of tried to source a little bit of things that are a little bit different. And I guess the other thing is too, there's been a lot of emphasis on the low end, so mm. there's been the companies that really focus on budgets and, you know, there's this all those things. Yeah, affordable, yeah. which is always a market for it. And there's always been those European companies that have come in that have aimed at the very high end. Mm. We've sort of always felt, felt there's been a sort of a middle ground that's been missed and the people that want something a little bit better but, you know, can't afford the crazy sort of prices. So yeah. we've sort of aimed a little bit that in that middle middle price range. Okay. So... Um, so what makes a difference between, say, a really cheap uh, kitchen bench top and maybe one in the more expensive range? Really, it's a little bit too, there's sort of two types. One is a little bit, you know, you've got your engineered stone, which has sort of now got into your mass produce and your builder's range and things like that. You've always had your granite and marbles, which have been a little bit more exclusive, a little mm. bit more. And then, of course, you've got the new things, which is, you know, coming through the new porcelains. So, you know, they can vary so much in price. So we've been basically sort of just telling people the difference. You know, there's pros and cons of everyone. Yeah. And, you know, every family or, or couple or whatever it is will suit one better than the other. It might not even be price. It's just the way they live or, um, you know, even kids. You know, a lot of these portions now are scratch resistant and resistant. Yeah. So for families... You know, we always had, you know, people spend that money on their kitchen, you know, kitchens aren't cheap and, you know, for the first six months, it's a bit like a car. You just panicked about anybody putting anything on it right. or touching it with the kids. Whereas if you have something that's a little bit more bulletproof, mm. you can relax a little bit. So. Yeah, that's a really cool one. Um, yeah. So this, if you spill wine on it, it's like it won't, it basically won't absorb into no, the stone. No, it's 100%. Whereas, stone. uh, with the cheaper ones, if you spill wine onto it, it's actually going to yeah. leave a, a well, mark there. you know, or? a lot of them will be that you can spill red wine or, you know, even orange juice or, mm. you know, even, you know, that sort of stuff. If you wipe them up, it's fine. It's okay. just that little bit that if you have a big party or something mm. and you leave a stain, it can 
etch into it. And one of the other things too, um, pork fat. You have a big pork roast, you put it on the thing, you chop it up, and a bit of the pork fat comes off the chopping yeah. board. It's clear, so it's very hard to see. So sometimes you can wipe it up and think it's okay. With a lot of dark granites and, and sort of those dark Indian stones, that will leave like a cloudy mark that's, right. that can be quite hard to get out. So... Um, it's also a little bit too the new board, like in this kitchen here. Mm. In the old days, if you did a dark colour, all you worried about was fingerprints. Yeah. So we've got this new board now that's fingerprint resistant. You know, oh, it's not wow. fingerproof. Okay. But for general wear and tear, it mm. won't leave fingerprints. So you can be a little bit more bold and have a darker colour without the dramas of mm. having, you know, keep having to wipe down. It's a little bit more sort of technology catching up and letting us being able to be a little bit more brave. Right. Then you probably wouldn't have been. Yeah. So, so with your clients, I mean, would you say they need to spend a few extra dollars to to have these new features? A little bit more, yes. Yeah. So, and that's what we're sort of saying. If, if you're sort of really in a budget and it's, you know, you've mm. got a certain amount, but a little bit too, we are designers. We're not like the old day cabinet maker coming in trying to flog you a kitchen. We're here yeah. to design you something. And part of design is fitting into a budget. You know, there's nothing worth saying what I want in your kitchen, but if you've got 10, 20 or 30 grand, we can design it and tailor it mm. to that sort of budget. So we can sort of say, well, what's important? Maybe the bench top is really important because, you know, we had a client recently and they had a um, handicapped child. So the idea of having something that's a little bit more knockabout proof mm. was something more important. So we spent a little bit more money and effort on getting what they wanted in that and then we found cost savings on other things to compromise, you know, or to to marry in with that, so to get it back to their budget. So mm. it doesn't always have to be dear, and you know, there's some things that are more important for right. other people than others. So we can sort of tailor that and say, well, you know, that's a bit more important to me, and this is a little bit less important. So whether the drawers are not as important, um, or the bench tops, mm. appliances, you know, things like that. So we can tailor it and say, okay, well, you know, you can have a flashy oven that can do everything for you, you know, the new ones now, you can have it on your phone. The even, question is, is it You can necessary? have a look at it. Well, no, do you yeah. need it? And sometimes too, some people find it a little bit too complicated. Mm. A lot of people say, I want an oven, I can turn it on, set it at a temperature and use it. Yeah. Um, do you need all the bells and whistles? So, and that's sort of where we try to help. So. Right. So when you work with your clients, there's an essence of being flexible yeah, exactly. to what they yeah. need and what they mm. want designed and yeah. and what they need prioritized. Exactly. And it's a little bit too, and it's not a negative on the architects sometimes, but we get a lot of people come in and we've had the architects draw all this up and we, they come in and say, well, this is what we've got, this yeah. is our budget, and we go, <laughs> we can't do it. It's go not find it on Pinterest. <laughs> and they go, oh, but, you know, that's what we sort of talk. So, yeah. And that's sort of where we're aiming a little bit that sort of, you know, it's great with all this technology nowadays, all of these beautiful kitchens, but, you know, people will come in and say, I love that wardrobe or that kitchen, and we go, well, that's really expensive. Yeah. Well, I don't sort of have that money. And so, okay, well, let's see how we can get the look. Trying to replicate but, it Yeah, but sort of say, well, we can save a little bit here and there. And, or we say sometimes, well, we're going to have to just spend a little bit more. But, yeah. You know, that's really important. So. Yeah. And, um. What would you then say is something that people tend, I guess, tend to spend a lot of money on, but they don't necessarily have to? Like, what would you say is the most expensive thing or expensive mistake that can go into a kitchen? Um, 
I think a little bit they can get excited and overwhelmed, and I think the biggest thing is appliances. Mm. You can really, you know, spend you know up to fifty, sixty, or even more on oh my God. Just, just the appliances. You know, um, you know, a beautiful, you know, the zip taps are quite beautiful, but mm. you know, you could spend five or six thousand dollars just on a tap be sink. Right. You know, it's um, yeah. It's I guess kitchens are a little bit like cars. You can buy a base model. But then you can say, oh, can I have this and this and this and this and this? Yeah. And then, of course, the price of it is X amount. And they go, hang on, the base model is this. And it's a little bit, you know, in the same sort of way. Right. So, and same with display homes. You know, people go into this glass home, you can build this house for 280000 But you actually say, well, I love this how it is. How much does this cost? And they go, oh, it's yeah. $500. So they go, oh. People keep adding things. Yeah. And adding so, and- hmm. Okay. But um, kitchens are one of those ones, and it's, you know, it's it's all the extra little upgrades. You, know, yeah. you can upgrade your doors, you can upgrade your colour of your doors, your bench tops, flashbacks. You know, by the time you put plumbing and electrical, your appliances, mm. you know, all those sort of bits and pieces. So it's one of those ones that can run away, and that's where, as I said, we sort of push a lot of with the clients to give us an idea of a budget, even if it's a rough idea, because, yeah, you can, you know, and it's one of those things, I guess, we're lucky where we are. We, we've got the Barton Paddington area, so, you know, budgets for kitchens are quite different to, you know, we've got a lot of clients, we work around Anala and, you know, and those sort of areas, and their budgets are, you know, probably a tenth of that. So mm. we've got to be a little bit, you know, I guess, you know, working towards sort of today's sort of things. Yeah. So, um, and I mean... Because I'm, I'm actually an architecture student, um, and while I was studying, like I didn't really know what a kitchen and bathroom designer was, mm. but um, it seems to be really growing into into its own industry. Like you would call someone who designs kitchens and bathrooms, you'd actually call them a kitchen and bathroom designer. Yes. Um, so what what what's your view on that? Like, is the industry growing? What sort of trends are you noticing? It is, it's very much. I think, um, you know, I guess a little bit too with the architects, there's mm. a real focus on getting the layout, the externals, you know, getting that real, you know, getting lighting and all that. Yeah. You know, a little bit more, I think, with architects too, is probably a little bit more sort of time. You physically don't have time with the kitchen. You've special. got the layout, but yeah. really thinking about, you know, the work triangle and flows through and, and you know, Mm. Little bits like that. Um, even little bits too, we get a little bit more into all if you're left or right handed or, um, you know, we did a client recently where he's had a stroke. So yep. he's become now a house husband. So he looks after, you know, a family of five. So mm. it was very much working his kitchen into, you know, his disabilities and the things that hamper him. And it really wasn't a matter of just actually a room. It was really everything had to be, you know, he had a lot of trouble bending over and, and sort of, you know, keeping his balance. So everything was sort of kept up high and just sort of things like that. So mm-hmm. I think that's a little bit more where we can come into a little bit more focused. More specialization. Than just the, the sort of the layouts. Right. So, yeah. So, so with a kitchen and bathroom designer, like there's, there's sort of a higher level of specialization. Like yes. you look at yeah. your clients and you act, do you do like an interview and then, how does it work? Yeah, normally we would um, go out. A lot of times we'll try and go out first and meet them, see the room, speak to the people, get to know them. And yeah. as you said, yeah, see if there's families involved. A lot of times height. You know, mm-hmm. we get, a, you know, quite a few people now where, you know, 
then well over, you know, six foot or, you know, we've got a client recently, she's close to six foot, he's six foot six. So the idea of a normal height bench top for them is, you know, really uncomfortable. Yeah. So it really is talking to them, well, you know, you got to look long term to other people buying it. But in general, we're getting taller and our 900 high bench tops have been around for, you know, 20, 30 years, mm. you know, at least. So are we looking at those coming up higher, whether even the island could be a little bit taller for, for prepping? So you're not bending over as much, you know. Um, and again, kids and handicaps, um, you know, access to a little bit more microwaves, you know. Mm. The way we cook nowadays, a lot of times with microwaves, they're used for, you know, a lot of people buy frozen veggies. You know, you put frozen veggies Human in, you put some water in. You're a student. Yeah, same <laughs> sort of thing. But the trouble is with the microwave, the water that comes out of that is probably the hottest water mm. that would come out of everything. And, you know, normally we now have tempered taps and everything that comes out is a certain temperature. The water that comes out of that, you know, it's, you know, in the old days, the microwave up in an overhead cupboard is really quite dangerous. So we mm. talk about that a little bit more, that microwaves can be a little bit more. At a better height, a lot of times the low height's not great with kids' access. Um, same with ovens a little bit too. You know, ovens now they get so hot, yeah. Especially with the pyrolytic, you know, they can go up to you know three, four hundred degrees. If you have them quite low under the bench, if you open them up, they actually feel like they can burn you. So we sort of say a lot of times it's better to have them lowered up the showroom at a better height that mm. you can open them up and grab things at a better, more comfortable height. Especially being able to put them down at a better height if they're really low. It is, you know, a lot of a hassle to pick them up and put them onto a thing. So yeah. little things like that. So mm. um, same with fridges. You know, fridges in the old days, the freeze, fridge was at the bottom, freezer at the top. They've turned around now because, you know, people have worked out that fridge is what you use. You know, it's so yeah. much easier to have a fridge at a nice height. And, you know, the freezer can be at the bottom with the pull-out drawer that you can access stuff mm. to. So little things like that have changed. So And technology has changed a lot too. Yeah. The way we live, you know, even the last sort of five years, the, the amount of small appliances in the kitchen, you know, the thermo mixers, the coffee machines, you know, we get a lot of people that have two coffee machines. You have your pod one for when you're in a hurry in the morning. Right. But when you want a beautiful coffee, you have a, a proper coffee machine. So exactly. you can get to the stage between those and the kids having like a milkshake machine or a popcorn maker and a slow cooker and things mm. like that. It gets to the stage, they've all got to go somewhere. And it's, it's nothing worse doing a beautiful kitchen and have all this sitting on the bench. So whether we have little appliance cupboards or little walk-in pantries or at least drawers set up that you can have that sitting in there. So mm. it's got a lot more specialised than the old days of having a spot for the pots, spot for the sink, a bin and a dishwasher and a sink. So mm. um, and as you saw with the pantry drawers, you know, just making life a lot easier. All right. So what would you say looking back maybe 10 or 15 years ago, uh, what would you say are some of the layouts changes that you've noticed in the way people live compared to now? The biggest difference is now, and this is with architects now too, is opening up the areas. You know, even yeah. even homes probably you know it runs away quickly now, but even sort of twenty years ago, they were still more in a room. Because people now want, and you probably find with the architects, you know, people are not coming in and saying, "Well, I want a new kitchen," but how can we make this part of the home and making it the real hub of the home? Mm. Um, and that's really where we're sort of working with that. And, you know, like in the showroom, having an integrated table. So, you know, when kids come home at night, you know, they can sit in the afternoon, have their afternoon tea. You know, someone can be getting ready for dinner. Mm. You can talk, get the conversation sort of going. You know, when friends come around, they don't sort of sit anywhere. 
Yeah, they just kind cook. of mingle around. Yeah, they, as you're cooking, you know, as yeah. much as you try and get rid of them, they'll sit and stand around the kitchen so you can sort of set something up that, you know, this can be set up a little bit more, that you can have a little bit of a snack or, mm. you know, little drinks when everybody's chatting and then you sort of can head off to the dining table for dinner. Right. So, and that's sort of where I think the biggest changes are coming. And mm. as designers with us, it's, it's quite rare that we'll get someone that comes in and says, well, we just want to replace this. Yeah. It's really a matter of, well, we really want a new kitchen, but how can we, you know, can this wall go or can we open this up? Can we, you know, even onto a back deck or a servery area? So, and that's where designing is changing. And I guess that's where that blur between architects and interior, mm. uh, kitchen designers or bathroom designers are changing a lot more. So, and same with bathrooms. You know, bathrooms are getting a lot more open. You know, the old idea of having an open bathroom in a bedroom, I think probably 20 years ago was, I don't Quite want to crazy. see them, <laughs> but it's becoming more Very socially common, accessible. Yeah. You know, people accept it and don't see that as a problem. Mm. You know, even sort of hotels nowadays, you know, it's quite amazing sort of how it's been. So, um, and that's changing. And sort of wardrobes are probably the biggest change now. Is, yeah. You know, they want spots and shoes. And, you know, the biggest thing is where can I put my shoes? And, yeah. Um, you know, even, what was it now, probably five years ago when maxi dresses came in, you know, a lot of those. I need more hanging because a lot of ladies wear dresses mm. on dresses a lot more than they used to. So, you know, there's been a lot of changes right through. Yeah, that's really so. interesting. Um, now, when you when you work with your clients, um, what are some of the types of questions you want to ask to get the right information from them to be able to say, oh, okay, this is what you're having a problem with or what you want. Now I'm going to do this. Yeah. Well, we pretty much will sort of start a little bit with the room and what we've got and then sort of talk about issues with the room mm. maybe first. Probably then a lot too will have what they want and then we go a little bit more on what they've got now and what the problems they've got. And I think yeah. a lot of times you can work out what they're having trouble with gives you even quite a better idea of what they do want. You know, a lot of mm. times they can see photos and they think that works really well but a lot of times too, sometimes the practicality doesn't sort of work as well. So normally you can sort of say, well, what bugs you in here? And they come, well, I really hate this because of this. You go, oh, okay. And it gives you a, a quite a good idea of working forward with that and sort of give right. options with that and, and things like that. So especially a little bit more sort of wardrobes and kitchens, you can sort of, people have been used to the wardrobes just having a hanging rail, some drawers and some shelving. It really mm. hasn't been much else. And we can sort of say, well, no, we can... You know, especially if ladies are shorter, we can have drop-down hanging rails, which gives you a lot more access. Um, a lot of times, too, now the biggest thing has changed a little bit more with ladies with active wear. You know, right. a lot of ladies now love that in drawers because you, you can't sort of really hang it up. So a lot of days the ladies sort of said, no, I want a lot of hanging shoes, just a couple of drawers from underwear and things like that. But now they're saying, well, I really have my active wear and things like mm. that. We need more of that. So, so there's a lot more customization you can actually achieve nowadays with yes, technology. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. So, and a little bit more with kitchens too. You know, mm. the, the U-shaped kitchens or you know, cut off. I've really gone. People yeah. really want to be able to get in and get out. You know, and and that's you know, we just done one recently, and the kitchen worked quite well, but it was just open from one side. So. You know, the fridge was right there. So if anybody's in the fridge or sort of things like that, it really blocked the access. And now we've opened it up. Yeah. And, you know, they've been in now since, you know, we finished it just before Christmas. And they're just saying, we just can't get over the differences. 
you know, no one's bumping into anybody. You know, yeah. the kids want to go to the fridge. You know, the teenagers they go to the fridge. They're not having to walk around and and things like that. So that's really yeah. creating that flow through. And do you have any particular layouts that you think are just completely useless? Maybe um, some layouts that are useless and how would you compare that to some of the better layouts you normally do? Um, we find that the typical U-shape or sort of G-shape is, is really quite difficult, but sometimes too with the old homes, mm. you, you know, unless you get into a, you know, a big budget of being able to change things, sometimes it's a matter of saying, well, we've got negatives here, but again, technology is helping us with useful items that can make better use of that, whether it's mm. corner drawers or appliance cupboards, the new pantry drawers, um, things like that, we can sort of make that area work well. You know, the, the galley style or this sort of style here works really well because it's open from both sides. Mm. You've got good access, it works quite well. But, you know, sometimes just what you've got to work with, you know, yeah. and it's just a matter of making technology work with it. Um, and, I mean, in terms of mistakes, like what sort of mistakes would you normally try to avoid in designing kitchens or what do you see as a common mistake that designers make? Um, I think probably now I think we're being sort of fairly, I guess as a country, fairly set into, you know, especially with sort of these sort of styles and this yeah. showroom something a little bit different, you know, the sinks on the back wall um, or in the island, and then the cooktop's been on the island, on the back wall, and then we've tried to sort of change that a little bit with the cooktop here on the island, because the mm. idea is too, we're opening up these homes, and we're still putting the cooktop on a back wall, so you stand there while you're cooking, staring at a cupboard, and you know, a little bit more, we can have the cooktop out, a little bit more in the open, you know, we've got the technology now with down drafts, the top drafts, you know, that can be worked into that, and you can cook, and if you've got a beautiful view, yeah. Why not use it? You know, the sink is a little bit more. And sinks are a little bit of a messy item. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have got these open homes now with kitchens on the island. And they're sort of going, oh, but, you know, they are a messy area. And, you know, they want them sort of tucked away a little bit more. So, um. So you kind of need something that you can kind of clean up quite easily. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. And you want something that's easy, clean. Mm-hmm. Um, the big thing nowadays, and this is sort of a, big thing at the moment, sinks nowadays, you know, with the stone when it came out, they were very big into being undermounted, but people have had a lot of trouble with chipping around the edges of the stone because you uh, are, right. things like that. So there is a real big... Is this one what you would call undermount? Undermount, yes. Okay. So um, look, it's something over the years we're finding is a big change. We still do a lot of undermounts. Mm. Again, it depends on the people and the clients, and you've got to sort of try and make a bit of a judgment call with that. Mm. If you've got kids... You know, they're quite easy to chip. Um, another thing also too, with we do a lot of this area, we do a lot of the sort of hamper style or sort of that sort of traditional style kitchen. People love the big porcelain sinks. Yeah. We always say to them, one of the things you've got to realise that if you're a little bit clumsy, they're not forgiving. And the bottles themselves are fine, but you'll find your plates and glasses. And we get a lot of people saying, well, we've said to them and they've said afterwards, yeah, we've realised... In the first couple of months, the kids have broken, you know, half a dozen plates and glasses because they just, yeah. you know, and it's a bit like a tile floor versus a timber floor. You, you drop things, yeah. things are a little bit more forgiving on the timber floors than tiles. So, and it's one of those things that we do. Where's she hiding there? So, 
Um, yeah. So little things like that. Yeah. Um, so we're sort of finding clients and yeah. other designers, and that's probably something that you can bring up with them. We get a lot of clients that say, no, we're doing top mounts nowadays because they're just so much more forgiving for people. Mm. Um, we still think it gives the nicest look. So the top mount, is that when the um, sink goes over, over the, the top? top. So, okay. you, you know, we've always had those, but, you know, again, the technology, the sinks and the profiles have got so much thinner, they look a lot nicer. Yeah. In the old days, they were a little bit, I guess, not the nicest looking. Mm. So, but, you know, again, that's something that's, you know, you speak to a lot of designers and even architects, that's everybody's got a little bit each way. Yeah. So. Um, and then with the sink and the tap materials, uh, what sort of look would you normally go for um, or what sort of material works better than others in terms of durability? Um, look, we sort of try and say to people, we've got a few things we sort of say. One of the things we say to people with kitchens if we can, if we can spend a little bit more money on a couple of items, one would be a sink and a range hood yeah. because it's probably the two things we find that the most people, if they have a regret, because a lot of times we'll go afterwards and we'll, do follow up and feedback so it helps us yeah. with our design and probably the two biggest things is the tap and the range hood a cheap tap sorry <coughs> a cheap tap um, you know long term problem not a great idea. they're also not great with the yeah. adjustment we find especially in bathroom blokes can be a little bit more on off on off <laughs> and they, they can splash whereas yeah. you know the better quality ones can be a little bit more sort of easy to use yeah. um Finish-wise, they're all, you know, fairly good nowadays, the creams okay. and the blacks and stuff. Mm. The blacks, again, will scratch a little bit more. You know, if you do, you yeah. know, I know the last one we had, someone hit it with something and, you know, just left a little mark on it. Same with the sinks. Some of the black ones can mark a little bit more than and, the chrome ones. And with matte, is it common to have a matte finish? It is a little bit more, yeah. Is it, is, uh, is it harder to, for example, if you scratch it, uh, how do you fix it? Uh, probably a little bit more. You sort of, I guess you get to say you live with it. A lot of times you can get right. someone in to sort of try and fix it a little bit, but yeah. it's a little bit like sinks. Sinks always scratch your mark over time. They get a little mm. bit of a patina and it's a, a little bit of a joy of I lived in the kitchen. Yeah. So when it gets really bad, you know, you can just replace the tap. It's not too bad. So mm. a little bit more sinks, a little bit more difficult. So yeah, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, no, I just want to backtrack. A little bit because we didn't talk about this before. Yeah. Um, and I want to find out from you, what was your motivation behind starting Wokai Design? Uh, basically, we, we had two companies that we run where we originally started off as Intro Kitchens. Okay. Um, but we found it was a little bit too limiting because the word was too literal. Yeah. So we sort of found, you know, people were sort of saying, oh, you know, great, we love your kitchen. Be nice if you could do a wardrobe sort of bits mm. and pieces like that. Also, a little bit more too. I think we we're a little bit pitched as cabinet makers coming in. We've sort of always been a little bit sort of set as you know, just a guy coming in drawing a couple of boxes on a piece of paper and you know, and there's mm. a kitchen and there's a lot more to it now. And it's you know, and as we're sort of talking about with the the thought and process and design. So yeah. the Waco design was sort of a little bit more to say, no, we're not here to sell you kitchen we're here to help you design a kitchen right and that's a lot that's more. the most important part yeah and the waikai does stand for wardrobes office kitchens accessories and interiors so okay. the idea is we're more than just cabinet makers here to pump some cupboards put a top yeah. on it and say there's your kitchen so <laughs> excuse me so, 
Yeah. So that's where it sort of come to. And the house is so much more nowadays. Mm. You know, whether it's indoor kitchens, outdoor kitchens, walk-in pantries, entertainment units, bookcases, you know, books have come, I guess, like records, hugely yeah. popular again. And people want to be able to do that. And then we've also got the other people too that are very clinical and say, okay, I want that, but I want it all hidden. Hidden away. Yeah, sort of tucked away. Um, a lot of people now with their stressful lives now too want that little corner that they can have right. their little section. And people love, you know, we've got a client at the moment has his books and that's his little sanctuary. So mm. he's got that little area that he's got his all these beautiful books all set up and, you know, got to the stage, you know, he had his, because he's beautiful and designed, so he's got his, an area where the design books fit and the novels fit. So everything's mm. sort of made to sort of fit like that. Um, and wardrobes now too, you know, that was always just an afterthought. It was, you know, basically a white shelf and a rail and so many people now want... Customizable. Customized. Yeah. And also a little bit more too, I guess, in this climate up here too, we don't get to use the winters that much. Mm. You know, they've always been sort of thrown away in a crate a little so bit. It's kind more. of like a luxury yeah, to have so, winter come around and to have some specialised <laughs> cabinets. Yeah. So, but also, too, it's a little bit more, too, people laugh when they look at our photographs the, with all these beautiful wardrobes and they go, oh, but it's so organised. I can't be like that. Yeah. <laughs> I say, but when you've got something that's so beautifully set out, yeah. you can be organised, but it's... When you haven't got room and you're trying to shove everything in spare spots. Yeah, I know. That happens with me. I hate that. Yeah. So. I feel like there's, if, if you don't have something that's quite well organized in your room, like it gets quite chaotic because like you're shoving in shoes here and they don't fit in and shoving your shirt in there. Yeah. So the shoes sort of go in that spot and then the couple go in here. And same with clothes. You get to the stage. If you've got them all shoved together. It's a bit like the old draw principle. You always just grab everything off the top. Yeah. So if you know it's not until that wears out, you sort of start digging down. So if you've got everything beautifully, just doesn't even be beautifully laid out, but everything out to sea, you can quite easily grab everything. Mm. And then when everything's, you know, got a spot to go back, and that makes life a so lot much easier. easier. Yeah. yeah. So okay. and it's also a lot too with people now with things. Well, if they run out of room, it goes to the second bedroom, or the third bedroom, or the yeah. kids' bedroom, or, you know, or maybe the spare shoes <laughs> going to go. So. If everything's got a spot, it gets used a lot more. So, Luckily, I don't have that problem. I'm a student. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's even funny too. We did a lot of acreage homes and people had the big walk-in pantries. And we sort of say, they're great, but you get to the stage, everything just sort of gets lost. And we say sometimes we can have like the wardrobe, and, uh, the pantry in here with the drawers. Everything's easily accessible. And we did one recently. She said, oh, I want this big walk-in wardrobe, uh, walk-in pantry. And we said, okay, let's have a bit of a look. And we went in there and, and she goes to Costco and she goes to Campbell's and she buys because they've got a big family. The amount of stuff that was out of date, they got thrown out because it was just lost. Mm. So we sort of said, well, if we do this, everything can be set up. A lot of times too now the drawers are really good if you've got someone in the family. So often someone now has an allergy. All right. You can have a drawer set up in there that's, you know, the kid that's or the parent or the one that's, you know, allergic to this or, you know, it's gluten-free or something, you can have mm. a drawer set up to them. So, well, there is your drawer with all your food. There's no mixing of materials. So, you know, f- for safety sometimes too, yeah. it's a great idea. So, so organization and simplicity, mm, yeah. basically. Yep. Okay. Um, and now I want to talk a bit about, you know, dealing with clients. How... What is your way of building your relationship with a new client? Um, I think with me, I'm just, I am me. Right. It's just, um, you know, 
there's no um, I am what I am. We're here to help, and we get in. I guess we've for a long time worked off word of mouth, so a lot of our mm. businesses word of mouth or referral, or you know, friends of friends. So I guess we've got that built up trust a little bit to start with, yeah. which helps. So, um, but it's really a matter of to just sort of explaining everything to them. And, mm. and the biggest thing is too, technology has changed so much, and kitchens are not something that we. Well, kitchen, bathrooms, all, all yeah. wardrobes. It's something that we do, and if you do it right, it stays for a long time. You know, you know, we, we go into houses 20, 25 years old. Right. And as long as, you know, the water hasn't gone through it, or you know, it hasn't sort of got worn out, it, it, it sort of survives. So a lot of people sort of rely on us to, to tell them what's available. Mm. And even for us, it's a struggle. You know, with architects, there's just so much coming through. Yeah. Constantly and trying to keep up. So you know, it's great that we've got that little sort of thing that we try and keep up to date with, but it's a matter of passing it on. Mm. And that's sort of why showroom's so good. You know, we can you show, can show them, them things. exactly and, what um, it's going to look like. You know, it was even um, funny. We did a, the home show a couple of years ago, and it's when the electronic opening drawers came out. And we originally aimed that as the young technical, you know, you know younger people. Mm. And we had it in the on display, and a lady came in and, she looked at it and said, well, how do you open these drawers? Because there's just, you know, just a bank. And we said, oh, well, the idea is you touch them and they open up and then you just push them and they, they close themselves. And we're chatting away and we said, well, they're a little bit more expensive. And she said, oh, don't care. <laughs> just the way she sort of said that. And I looked at her and she said, well, no, have a look at me. And she had the most terrible arthritis. Yeah. And she said, one of the things I've got, she was in a, a you know, a, um, what do you call it, community area. Mm. And she was getting to the stage she might have had to move up to high care because she was struggling to be able to look after herself. Mm. And we ended up talking about what we can do for her and we really designed her a kitchen that made it great for her arthritis so there was no handle. So everything was touch opening wood. It was even up to the fridge. You know, the fridge, you could just give it a tap and the fridge door would open. That's crazy. The drawers, you know, wow. even your, and your rubbish bin. And, yeah. you know, it's even a little bit more too... The electronic drawers don't have to be for the whole kitchen, but it's great around a sink and a bin because you're cooking or cleaning. Yeah. Your hands are dirty. The last thing you want to do is touch your kitchen, so you can give it a bit of a knock with your knee or your hip. The drawer can open. You can grab what you want out of a drawer or put your rubbish in without touching your, your thing. And we did her kitchen, and you know, she gave her, a, you know, another five or ten years where she could look after herself. Yeah. You know, without worrying about, you know, those really bad days of the arthritis where she just really struggled to get her hands on the old handle yeah. and pull. So, yeah, so it's amazing how it can yeah. you know, so, it's change life more than that. So the level of customer customization is kind of really getting out of hand because, like, you could do anything to improve, like, how easy it is for someone to use the kitchen. Yes, yeah. Okay. Um and the question I asked before, maybe a better way to phrase that is how do you, what's the best way of taking your client through the process? Basically, I think the best way is normally we, as I said, we go out on the site, we get a good idea of how everything is, we yeah. talk about everything, the pros and cons. We normally have a sample, we talk about materials and things, we've got our iPads so we can show. Okay. Pro, you know, jobs we've done or ideas, you know, we've got great apps nowadays with suppliers that sort of show us bits and pieces. And normally it's a matter of then getting them to come back and then talking about what we can do. Because mm. so often too, you can draw something and you probably know yourself. You can draw the greatest thing in the world, but a lot of times people go, oh, I can't 
just yeah. visualize it. If you can come in and show yeah. them, they go, oh, wow, okay, I can understand what you, you're talking about. So, right. um, and that's probably the greatest thing mm. to sort of do with that. So, because it is, again, something that people don't do a lot. So, yeah. you know, they can only, if they've seen it on the TV show or on, on, on the website, that, you know, sometimes it might not work for them. And, right. So yeah. it's a good idea to kind of show them how it's yeah. going to work because they can touch it, they can open it, they yeah. can look inside. Well, it's even a little bit more with rubbish bins. People a lot of times say, we need a big rubbish bin, you know, because and things like that. And we say a lot of times too, by the time the bin gets full, A, it gets too big to sort of try and carry out or it smells. So <laughs> sometimes it's better to have, I'd say, a medium-sized bin yeah. that just gets changed a little bit more regularly and a little bit too with dishwashers. People have always had the dishwashers and they got to the stage now with water and all those sort of mm. things. They're trying to leave it as long as they can. You get to the stage, the dishwasher really starts to smell or you run out of plates or cutlery and then you've got to put it on. So we say sometimes it's better to have a smaller one that you can sort of stay, especially if it's a couple or a family of three. You could have dinner. You could then have breakfast. Mm. A lot of now with solar, you can have a time set that will come on during the day when solar's on so you're paying no power. Come home at night, the dishes are washed. They can go away. Instead of waiting two or three days yeah. to fill a load, so yeah, well, that's, that's it's really just interesting. Little things yeah. like that. So um, now I, I want to before we run out of time, um, because you might know a lot of our viewers and listeners are designers, so some of them might still be thinking about starting their own business, or uh, some of them might be struggling to move ahead in their business, or they might be stuck on a project. Um, so I want to know from you what what advice. Firstly, what advice would you give someone uh, starting their own business, their own design business? Um, just be confident in yourself. Yeah, I think so often nowadays in this in this game nowadays, there's so many hassles and hurdles, whether it's government or people or just time, and you know you try and for everybody, and um, and there's so many. I guess also as designers, a little bit too when you. When you are designing and running your own business, mm. you know anybody's an architect and designers and sort of things like that. You've really got those two sides of your brain. You've yeah. really got to have time to think and, and things like that. And when you're running your own business, you've got the phones and the emails and, you know, the technology and everything that's, that's on you and, mm. you know, quoting and things like that. It's so hard to get that balance, you know. It's not even just the work-life balance. It's the yeah. balance of being able to, you know, I know with us when you get really busy towards Christmas, you think, I've got to quickly, I've got an hour. I've yeah. got to quickly just think about this job. And it's just so hard to swat, switch off. Switch between different and things just all the time. Get that clear headed. You know, yeah. it's, you know, you know, what they call it design block, but it is just so hard if you're starting out on your own. You've got yeah. so many factors and, you know, it's not even, you know, you're trying to, trying to promote yourself, yeah. you know, whether it's websites and trying to advertise and, and things like that. And it's, it's really, really difficult. And I think a little bit, Trust yourself. I think yeah. a lot too. I think sometimes you can look at everybody else and, you know, all these wonderful kitchens and you think, oh, I don't think I can do that. And I think, you know, I started off something very, very different in the way I've come across mm. and just got to trust yourself and believe in what you do. And it's not always going to be perfect, but the great thing is with this, you know, you've got that feedback and, and you can improve as you go along and, and just get out. I think yeah. it's the biggest thing we've done is, you know, I've been lucky to go overseas and I've seen different ways and it's so amazing when you see different countries and the way they live and mm-hmm. 
and we're such a multicultural country. And I, th- I think the biggest thing we find is we specialize a lot in wardrobes. And when we deal with clients, we now know if you have a European client or, or Asian client, mm. you don't talk about shoes in a wardrobe. It's not a done thing. You know, shoes are something that's left at the front door. You, know, right. you are looking at having something near the front door of the garage because shoes are something that does not go into the house. Whereas as Australians, we've got this thing where we're going to pack 50, 80 or 100 pairs of shoes into a wardrobe. So it's quite different knowing your mm. clients too and how they live. And that's probably a big difference for something like that too. Um, and with you, how did how did you get started on like your first project? Were you always a kitchen bathroom designer or did you have some other jobs before um, before that? No, it's a little bit started. Um, oh, geez, how do you start this one? Um, originally, I'm a pilot. Oh, so okay, that's but, really interesting. Yeah, so but I came through when the GFC hit, when the pilot strike, ANSET, all the bits and pieces. So there was no work, no matter what you could do. So God, that's crazy. Yeah, so I basically sort of did part-time jobs, and mm. we had um, friends and family that were in the trading game, and I just went out for labouring and helped, and yeah. and sort of got into that, and then. Worked with them and sort of came to the kitchens sort of in a back way and then sort mm. of really fell in love with it because it's, it's quite a, quite a different little niche profession. It's, yeah. Um, and it's changed a lot. You know, it's a lot more professional than materials finish it. You know, it's a lot more technical than what it used to be. So mm. yes, I'm quite different with that. So I don't have a, you know, I'm qualified and everything through now, but no, I've come from something quite different. That's quite crazy because a lot of a lot of the I don't know why this is, but a lot of the designers I've been speaking to actually had different sorts of backgrounds. Like some of them worked in sales, and some worked in marketing, or as you say, you worked yeah. as a pilot. Yeah. So, is it is it something that you were drawn to? I think I've always enjoyed design and housing because yeah. I've always been sort of enjoyed it, and it was one of those things. And it's funny how technology changed too. I wanted to be an architect, mm. but one of the things I'm left-handed, and I found in the old days with the drafting boards, they're I all right-handed. <laughs> I physically couldn't do it, and I tried to learn right-handed. I tried to try and use the boards. It's you try. It's it sounds it's nearly, so complicated. Yeah. So you know now technology changed. So yeah. you know it doesn't sort of matter. So I, don't, I guess I've always had that design, mm. you know, design side. So. It's, I guess I've sort of fallen into that that way. Yeah. So, um, so what would you say then is the hardest part about running your business? Uh, just time. 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 Yeah. So it's just, you know, nowadays too with just clients and quoting, um, you know, making sure I guess a little bit too because I am a registered builder so we do mm. a lot of sort of, and as I said with that, there's very few kitchens to do that are, Minor sort of replacements. A lot of it too is sort of a bit of structural work. You know, trying to keep your new jobs online and yeah. um, you know all the pictures and houses and things like that. And um, so often, you know, you're trying to show people new things. So you, you think, oh, hang on, I did a job last month. You've got to, you know, just make sure it's updated everywhere. Mm. Um, yeah, just time. Yeah, yeah. That's, and I guess as you grow too, it's sort of you get to the stage you've got too much 
for one person, but not enough for the next person. Mm. Um, and you sort of got to just sort of try and get to that next step. And, all right, so you got to kind of manage prioritize. staff and, yeah. and all the bits and pieces. So it's, yeah. Um, let me just think. So when you first start off, how do you, how, how did you start getting clients? Is it like a natural process or? Um, I think to start with, we, we sort of started because of the clients I knew with all those sort of the, mm. the builders and the traders. I knew we sort of started with that. And I think our, probably our first big break came when we did the home show many years ago. Okay. Um, and that was sort of very naive. And, but it's one of those things you just jump in and have yeah, a go and have a crack at yeah, it. Yeah. And sort of it went, went really, really well. And then mm. that sort of started our base and then got the referrals from that. And we've sort of probably done, I think three or four home shows since then. Yeah. Um, but nowadays we're sort of just sort of finding now with the online sort of things that mm. we're sort of pushing down that barrier. And as I said, with the specialty things that we offer now, um, and I think also too, with a lot of the stuff we got from Europe, Europe, we are the agents in Australia. So a lot of times we're more of a wholesaler and we offer that to other designers and cabinet makers and, and builders as well. So the business has sort of changed a lot now. We're sort mm. of running virtually a design business, a construction business and an importing business. So. For us, it's changed a lot from just a straight sort of kitchen or sort of renovation sort of interior okay. business. So yeah, I see. Um, so would you say then uh, it's it's a lot to do with building relationships when you first start off? Like, yeah, did that help absolutely. you at all? Yeah, you've got to really got to get that trust. You yeah. really got to, the clients have got. It's a lot of money, and that's what we realise. And I think that's the thing you've got to realise. It's a lot of money for yeah. people, you know. And it's a matter of sort of getting the best the best result for them and, and also to show them a little bit too that it's not dead money. It's something if you do well mm. is going to add value to your home. It's going to give you a great difference in life. It's really going to change the way you live yeah. and really enjoy it. Um, and if you do go to sell, you know, especially we do a lot in the Gold Coast and everybody's looking there at renovating and selling. So it's yeah. a matter of saying, well, you know, this kitchen might cost you 30000 but it's going to probably add fifty or, you know, it's like they're showing, they're showing mm. how it can – it actually make you money, not cost you money. You know, it's going to add value to your home. So okay. Um, and in terms of networking, do you do a lot of that? Yeah, or we not do so much anymore. We do a little bit with that. Yeah, we belong to the KBDI, okay. which is great for us. Um, and I think as still we are a small design business. You know, yeah. As Australia-wise, we're we're probably sort of, I guess you say, small to medium. But mm. you know, when you see the way the works overseas. They're very small. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, you, you go to Europe and, and things like that and they look at us and go, you can't believe how, you know, yeah. you know, one of our suppliers does 60 to 80,000 kitchens a year. Oh my God. You know, it's just, yeah. they look at us and just and horrified that we could be like that. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's, you know, and again, that's getting out there and sort of looking mm. at how they do. And, you know, over there, they're different. They employ people like you. They employ a team of 10 architects. Right. Or design teams to design them a new kitchen. It's not someone coming home at night to sort of try and help design a kitchen. It's, it's really, you know, they, they chase the best, you know, um, my clients, suppliers at the moment, they've used, um, Stefan Boweri, like mm. that's felt pronounced properly. And he's one of the, you know, great famous architects in Italy, that, you know, but he, he's working with them to design a kitchen. So it's a complete reversal in mm. a way to how you sort of said originally. You know, they're using architects to help design kitchens. Where yeah. Here, a little bit more, we're 
interior designers, working with architects to sort of help with the kitchen. Mm. So, yeah. so it seems like in Europe, uh, they might have a larger focus on huge commercial companies, whereas in yes. Australia, it's much more about really supporting unique. small We're businesses. Yeah. Okay. Because they tend to, you guys tend to work very closely with uh, tradespeople and manufacturers and all that yes. sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, we're a little bit more that personal, and that's what it is. You, know? yeah. you can really look at Europe as being like car companies. You, you buy a kitchen like you buy a car. You go in and buy a brand <laughs> and a model. Yeah. That's how you sort of treat it. Okay. So sometimes and that can work really well because it, it helps a little bit, you know, because of the area we're in. We can have people come in that want to spend 10000 or 150000 on a kitchen, and you've got mm. to be able to somehow judge that, whereas in Europe you wouldn't go to a Mercedes dealership if you've got a, you know, a, a forward budget. So yeah. In a way, a little bit that helps them because people will come to them with a preconceived idea of what they want in the budget, whereas mm. here we can have, you know, anybody and anything. So, um, you know, I guess we're quite happy to do little jobs too. So I guess we get a lot of people that say, well, you know, a lot of the big companies won't do a little, yeah. you know, for us. And it doesn't worry us. So, um, and then how, how do you deal with fussy clients? Like, have you ever had any really difficult clients? You well, you always with? get them. So, yeah. But it's, you know, again, I say their money, those sort of things, sometimes they could be unreasonable and sometimes you've got to just be polite and straightforward. And so, you know, I think, you know, sometimes, I guess the biggest thing is also to, sometimes they can take a bit longer, but we sort of say, well, we want to do it right. If yeah. it's going to take an extra day, well, I'm sorry, it's a little bit annoying, but, you know, we're pretty straight up with giving ideas or timeframes, but... Mm. For whatever reasons, you know, whether, you know, the big things are asbestos, you can find asbestos, termite damage, you can take a bit of extra time. And I guess a little bit harder because we are the builder side, we get a little bit more into nitty gritty sometimes that we can find things that have been hidden and, you know, yeah. renovations over the years that when you open up, you go, oh, hang on. Right. When you so, go to your site visit, you see yeah. all these problems happening. Yeah. So, okay. so a little bit us, but, you know, you'll always get fussy clients, but, um, Nothing you can do about it. <laughs> no, nothing you can do about it. You can just keep them happy and, you know, you know, we sort of pride ourselves on that. But, you yeah. Know, sometimes it can be difficult, but we're here together to work a budget to get you what you want. And yeah. at the end, it's, it's going to work out really well. So, mm. um, so has there ever been a moment where you have, you've had a really difficult client and at a certain point you just, you just decided you couldn't work with them anymore and that it was better to part ways. No, we no. haven't. Okay. Um, I have to admit, we did have a client that was a couple of years ago, years ago really, really difficult. Yeah. And we sort of thought, okay, we finished, it was all done, all finished, and we thought, okay, well, that's great, we never have to deal with her again. And she came in about six months ago and wanted another kitchen done. Right. So we thought, well, that's the way she is. So yeah. she, you know, she's fiery, you know, animated. That's the way she is. But we thought we obviously couldn't have been too bad because she's come back. So, yeah. you know, so, but we knew how she works. So we've changed a few things to, to know what triggered her and we just made sure that, you know, and she's really happy. So, right. so it's funny. You sort of thought, well, here's one we'll never get back again. But, you know, we've now done three jobs for her. So, so it seems like you can basically turn things around if you if you yeah, pay, yeah. pay attention to what your client wants. Yeah, and I think I think a little bit too. I guess you've got to be that old little bit that you know 
what is it? I guess walk in someone else's shoes or look at the other side of yeah. it. You know, something sometimes won't always work with us. You know, sometimes we'll get things wrong. You know, because it's quite mm. easy. It's really complicated, and you know, especially with homes nowadays and high rises, some of the worst ones. Are, you know, everything can look quite straight. You get into some of those high rises, and it can be real problems. And then sometimes it's, you know, body corpus can get quite yeah. technical with what you can do and can't do. And you know, the client sort of gets stuck in the middle between. You know, we've had a lot of those where, you know, things have been really quite poorly done, and it's, it's sort of the poor owner kind of stuck in the middle between what we've got to try to do with them and what the body corpus let us do, and they can feel quite helpless. And mm. you know, it's. Sometimes it costs a lot, a lot more money, and you've got to sort of, sort of side with them a little bit, and sort of say, "Well, I can understand that we have to do this," and you know, it's 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 things like that. And, um, you know, we've had jobs where we've come in and we've tried to screw up cupboards, and we thought we can't find a stud to screw this cupboard in. Yeah. And we've had to open it up, and there's been so much termite damage that we seriously don't know why upstairs are still standing. And it's yeah. amazing how termites can leave enough. To leave a house, and you can sort of you have to get the clients to say, "Hey, look, we've got some serious problems here. Yeah. We've had to get specials in, prop the house up, virtually reframe." You know, it's stressful. Yeah. It's sort of you know a job that can be quite simple can turn into something quite major. Mm. And, um, but problem clients, yeah, look, you know, the biggest problem you have with clients is they've got, you know. Expensive taste because they've got all this stuff on. They walk in and go, can we have this? And we go, well, do you realize it's going to cost that much? Yeah. Oh, no. Well, and it's, it's you know, the hardest thing is, and that's probably the hardest thing is getting what they want for the price they got. Yeah. Or, you know, not being sort of, she wants that, he wants to pay this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's, it's a compromise. And, you know, it's that's probably the hardest. Yeah. So once we get in... We try and really be regimented, and I guess that's uh, for young people starting out. Mm. Is you you've really got that thing of you, you're really trying to get business, and then you, you get business, and then trying to focus on getting jobs completed, and then also not then sort of forgetting other people, yeah. or trying to sort of that. And it's really a matter of just, I guess, really telling people what's going on. I think right. I think technology's. Great, and I think technology has also killed communication, mm. and I think that's what we really try to do now. We have a little flyer we give people when we first start to explain our processes that helps to give them a bit of an idea because the, the biggest thing nowadays too, we can spend two or three months designing a kitchen. Yeah. And people think, you know, there's companies that say you can come in one easy thing. Yeah, we can do that, yeah. but a lot of people want Something, you know, it's... The engagement with your client. Yeah, and it's a little bit more too. You can throw something down on paper and say, well, this would really work. And it's amazing how many people go away and think, oh, hang on, I thought about this. Hey, this doesn't work. And you go, mm. no, I really can't. And we get it wrong as well from time to time, you know. We get so much limited time. It'd be great if we've got all the time in the world to spend on people. Yeah. But sometimes we can do something and they go, oh, no, that actually won't work because we talked about this. And this one go, oh, yeah, it won't. So... It's a little bit of a matter of just get the communication going. You know, right. even if you're really busy, just have a thing that once a week you say, yes, we're working on it, we're waiting for this or that. And, and you know yourself and you think in the background and you go out and do something and you, you think, oh, they've never called. Um, why haven't they called? And you sort of, at your end, you know, well, I'm waiting for this guy to give me this or yeah. we've got a problem with this, we're trying to find a fix. And it's just a matter of that communication and that's, mm. If I say it with anybody in that, it's just keep the communication going. Look, I'm the worst of it, like everybody, but 
you just got to just if you've got reminders in the sort of say at least every Monday, what have we done with that client? Where's yeah. that person? Just give them a quick email and say, sorry, we're still working on it. People go, great, thanks. But if they sit there thinking, where's he? Yeah. And, and it's one of those things, you know, and I know with clients will come in and say, oh, we spoke to three people. One person never rang me back. Yeah. Well, we don't know why. If you could have said, well, sorry, we're busy or, you know, mm. things like that, we'll go great. But it's sometimes too we sell ourselves short because of that. And I know with clients, clients ring us up, oh, we've got to do this and this and this and this and this. And you'll get all this done for them and really push you through. You send them off and you'll hear nothing. You think, oh, what are they doing? And then you ring up and just say, oh, sorry, just want to check. Did you get it? Because some off, you know, it's often going yeah. spam or, or just being like, oh, no, sorry, we haven't had a chance to look at it. And like, oh, well, you know, <laughs> they're in a hurry. So, you know, so I guess you learn that a little bit from both ways. So, yeah. Um, it's just. Sort of good communication just to check where the, people are at so yeah, you can make decisions yeah, and move forward. And sometimes too, if you're really busy, Sometimes giving everybody a little bit every week instead of just really trying to concentrate on mm. and things that keeps everybody happy. You know, I think at the moment we're trying to run at the moment of probably between starting to complete it about 35 jobs. So mm. it's really a matter of just keeping all those 35 people happy, whether it's, you know, as you said, just quick little hello, still working on it or we're waiting for this from someone or, you know, we've got an issue with this. We're not sure about we're chasing up and, yeah. and then everybody's happy. So. And then when we start jobs, we just explain roughly how they go. We always give ourselves a little bit of a breathing space that, you know, something's a little bit late or, mm. you know, the biggest thing nowadays is materials damaged or, or things like that. And right. Sort of just giving ourselves a little bit of a, not trying to be really quick with everything, just giving ourselves a little bit of time because you do have a habit when you start. You think, oh, I've got this job and I'll through. You know, I'll try and get it. Don't give yourself a bit of extra time to allow for, mm. you know, Problems because there's so much you know, as little designers we're relying on everybody else. You know, you're waiting on plumbers and electricians and cabinet makers and stonemasons and chippies and plumbers and um, chip rock and glass and things like that. Right. So you, you're so much of just in the middle, just trying to do that. Just trying to dance organize and, everything. Yeah. So it is hard. So. Yeah. Um, so we're running a bit short for time. So <laughs> the last question I want to ask you to close this off is what's next for you? What's next for Wokai Design? Um, probably next with us at the moment is really just trying to showcase things we do differently. Yeah. Um, we've tried to sort of put ourselves sort of in the middle. We've tried to be a little bit different but not too expensive. So we're sort of trying to show people you can have something a little bit different, something a little bit nicer yeah. without necessarily being, you know, crazy expensive. And there's ways right. around a lot of things. Um, and that's sort of where we're sort of trying to aim a little bit at. Um, and again, that's a matter of trying to get jobs completed, show for things, um, a little bit of research on ours as well and, and trying to get it out there in the world because you can have something really unique, but if no one knows about it, it's, mm. it's, and we get that a lot now. People go and go, Oh, where well, we found you by accident. Oh, we didn't know you could get something like this and sort of, you know, you know, you try your best, but it's, you know, yeah. the joys of technology nowadays. Right. So, well, um, thank you so much for doing the interview. I feel like I've learned a tremendous amount. Well, thank you. Um, Very little, but we try yeah. and be a little bit different. So, you know, I hope it helps all those people with the mad about to yeah. get into, into this business. Sort of, yeah. Well, thank you so, so much. You're welcome. Thank you.